1: Where to, where to hunt podcast hunt, it's, it's it's okay it's okay it's okay hi i'm dan small host of outdoor wisconsin and i listen to where to hunt man it's okay i'm kurt Geyer with working class bow hunter i listen to where to hunt podcast and it's decent it's,
0: decent. Uh,
2: it's all right Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts AKA the OKest Podcast in the Midwest, coming at you from the OKest Hunter Podcast Studio. Head on over to OKestHunter.com. By golly, head on over there. Uh, look at this cool hat I'm wearing. This little tiny antler. You can use code W2H Podcast and you're going to save yourself 10% off of the OKest hunting gear that ever was made. High okay. quality, high quality clothing, though, I will say. Tri Blend, leather patch hats, stickers. They only have a couple of things, and it's okay. Shirts are comfortable. Stickers are sticky. Stickers are sticky, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll play some bumpers. How about that? I don't know if I've done a bumper in a little while. All right. Do it. Which one is this? Let's do this one.
2: Whether you're at work in a tree stand or simply waking up, it's important to be alert. and There's no better way to get there than with Backwoods Grind Coffee, ground fresh for every order, delivered straight to your door.
1: Backwoods Grind Coffee.
0: Okay. And you got to use code because <laughs> I've never done it. And now it's just a thing. So now it just, it is just how it is. It's W2H Podcast for 10% off. That's for, real hard. For Backwoods Grind. I know. Difficult. Very difficult. <sighs> we keep it okay here. Um, <clears throat> look, our latest uh, partner to the family is Spartan Forge. So I think they're making their rounds now. They got a couple of like brand ambassadors, uh, Garrett Prawl. Um, Johnny Stewart, I think, and a couple of others that I'm just not. Greg Litzinger, of. the hunting fiend. Thank you. Yep. yep. So, um, you know, happy to join the party with all those folks and use their platform and product, uh, head on over to Spartanforge.ai and you can try their stuff out. Um, with our discount, it's W2H. You're going to save 20%. And if you don't know what it is, it's an AI platform that helps you predict when deer are going to be on hoof and how they're going to navigate certain terrain. Um, based on a data model for millions of data points collected from deer collared data from different universities around the country and a bunch of other stuff that's super intelligent. But that's the gist of it for my mouth, at least. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We did do an episode with those guys uh, with Bill Thompson with Spartan Forge. You have to go back and find it. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but um, it's in the archives and we did it like, I don't know, last season. Yeah. Or whatever, the end of 2020. Speaking of the end of 2020 happy new year happy new year uh, in the new year you can head on over to fleetfarm.com because <laughs> you can't use the discount code in the store but you can do an in-store pickup and um you, know, you can buy online uh, if you use code w2h10 you're gonna save 10 off i know fleet farm does like a lot of stuff with coupons anyways but it's a good way for them to track that you know hey maybe you know i heard you guys on the word hunt podcast so uh, why not pass along the discount you can get your hunting licenses there which i failed to do for my turkey tag um, You can fill up on gas there You can get snacks there, beer, bush lattes Gear They got it all, man I got a lot of Christmas stuff from Flea Farm That's good Yeah, that's what I got And uh, and I just poured up some drop-tying spirits, by the way So cheers to that Cheers to that The, the official drink of Deer Camp Or Deer Camp in a bottle I don't know mm-hmm. We just kind of made that up And, uh, you know, our friends at Vector We love those guys so I don't, I think the discount code is still good, but we're going to do some more collaboration this year. So uh, you can still use code where the number two, the word hunt for 10% off as far as I'm aware. Perfect. And we're both shooting vector for life. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we, we do love the vector arrows. We do. I think I covered everybody. Yeah. I think that's it. All right. All right, Craig. So what do you we you, have? Well, oh, you want to get in right way? You want to tell me about how you're doing first? I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know what I did before you got here? I don't I know. I took, I took, use the bathroom. No, I took the super long pole and knocked off all the icicles so you didn't die on the way in. Oh, that's why all that ice and uh, salt <laughs> is all over the place. It was There's out of still, control. It's still
2: like a landmine field out there.
0: <laughs> I was like, I'm going to die doing this. I'm like smacking them. They're all falling down on my yeah,
2: head. I had to roof rake the whole house today. So we're starting to see some rather large icicles. Mm-hmm.
0: It's pretty, pretty gnarly out there. So yeah, sorry. We do have a guest, uh, Clay Thurman. The uh, also known as Buck Collector Clay on YouTube. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Hi, fellas.
0: What's going on?
1: Well, it's always a pleasure to be on the Jackie Bushman Show. I appreciate the invite.
0: (laughs) Man, we're glad to have you. Um, You're out of Nebraska, and I think that's in the middle part of the country, and that's where the hunting public does a lot of their stuff, potentially?
1: yeah. Yeah, they've been pretty hard on old Nebraska lately. Yeah. How does that make and, you uh, feel? <laughs> there's a lot of people out here, man. I've never hunted in PA, but I imagine it's kind of the same thing now. It's like everywhere you go, there's just lots and lots of people. I, I said, uh, I said on a, a different podcast once that, that it looks like an Norwegian clown car, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a lot of people in one car. How many were there? Eight. That's nuts. Was eight, it like, eight, but like it wasn't a minivan? Like how do they put, where did they put their, their deer?
1: No, they, they actually, they had two trucks and they were driving around together. But also, those guys were awesome. Like I want to say that, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> they were really awesome. They actually helped me recover uh, a deer that i had shot earlier in the season. So oh, without them, it, I would have had a really rough day.
2: Holy cow. Well, that's what hunters are supposed to do, help each other
1: out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, that was a, uh, Pretty awesome, pretty awesome little encounter I had with those guys.
0: So, tell us, dude, like, I don't know, a little bit about yourself. Uh, I think you're a listener of the show. You're also on the working class bow hunter podcast team, the WCBA team. Um, so you're known, like, you were just on another podcast, I think The Outdoor Drive. We know those guys pretty well. Tell us, uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah, what you're all about over there in Nebraska.
1: Oh, uh, I'm pretty ate up with, uh, with shooting deer with a bow. I can say that there's uh there's not much, there's not much else that I do. I mean, I like, I like hunting bourbon in the off season, but beyond that, I, I deer hunt and I shoot my bow. That's, that's what I do. I mean, I, I've got uh, a wife and, and four or excuse me, three daughters, uh, but they're not old enough to hunt yet. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty serious about it. I mean, it was in my wedding vows. So, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. it's a wait, Tell us, the, tell me. us more it, about it, that. What,
0: what, how was it? Do you remember it verbatim or like the gist of it?
1: Oh no, but I mean the gist of course was, it was basically, you know, uh, the preacher thought that it was really important that we had discussed things in advance, you know, so that there were no surprises. And, and, uh, my wife who's awesome, by the way, it's not like I have to try real hard. She's just pretty amazing, but she, uh, she knew right away that November was was a very important time, and uh, she's always welcome to come along, but I think the gist was you're never allowed to make me feel bad for going hunting uh, <laughs> and anything <laughs> like that, but you can always come. So. Does she that was, join That was ever? basically it.
0: Did she ever come with you out in the woods?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, not so much anymore. Um, kids kind of kind of ruin your life in that aspect in the very first part (laughs) when they're as young as mine are you know until they really get older to get into it but taking them on blood trails is my favorite part she's uh she's killed a good deer with a bow and uh, a couple good ones with a rifle she just doesn't have a a ton of time since we don't we're we're originally from central Illinois so when we moved out here uh, lack of grandmas really puts a hamper on uh, whether you have a babysitter or not whether both those people in the relationship can get out there. So sure, that's remember cool. that though, hunters, before you move away from your, your family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, dude. I, I, I think, man, I try to get my wife like a good idea and I'm not even as hardcore as a lot of people. I, I think I've uh, indexed a lot higher now, at least about like my time in the woods and my passion towards it compared to when we first started dating. But I had her come with me one time and she's like, that was so boring. I'm never going to go again. She's like, i do going to get it. You just sit there. I'm oh, like, well, I'm yeah, sorry. that's, that's what happens. You sit there and you, you know, Let's just say it's not for everybody. But, you know, she knows what I do out there. I went
1: on a mule deer hunting trip three days after my second daughter was born.
0: Wow. Good for you. At least you waited for her to be born. That's
1: good. Well, <laughs> she doesn't know I wasn't there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> She's not upset with me now. She loves me.
0: That's pretty great, dude. That's a good perspective. I um, Man, I had another question for you. Bourbon hunting, what are, you, are you drinking something right now?
1: Yeah, uh, right now i drinking, uh, I've poured myself one ounce of Blood Oath Pack 5
0: Oh, I've never heard of that.
1: It is, uh, I, I was, I, I giggled like a 14-year-old girl at a One Direction concert when I found it. So it was pretty, it was a pretty, it was like, it, this is a solid 175, 180-inch buck in comparison. Oh, so I'm pretty happy
0: with it. We're drinking... Have you tried the... Have you heard of the Drop Tine Spirits? Uh,
1: yeah, I heard about it bourbon. a bunch. I, I always see you drinking it, but I've, I've never had it.
0: It's pretty good. I think it's good, but I'm not, you know... And it's, super it's bourbon, bourbon-y. right? It is, yeah, it is. It's yep. a bourbon. It's uh, what do they say here. Bourbon whiskey finish in brandy barrels. 40, 46% alcohol by volume, so it's 92 proof. And they're relatively yeah, so new. Technically,
1: it's not bourbon anymore. It was bourbon, oh. but it's not anymore.
0: Interesting. Urban whiskey, yeah. So So
1: that's the pack five is the same way. Uh, one third, 33 percent of the pack five was aged in an old rum cask, but it uh, all all three one thirds ended up or began as bourbons. One was a 15 year, a 12 year, and I believe a a 12 year, 11 year, and a nine year. All three put together, they sourced three different barrels, and uh, the third one was aged in in rum barrels, which gives it like a, an orange or a citrus taste, a little bit of coconut. It's pretty cool.
0: That sounds good. I'm just getting into it, man. And, and it's, it's a problem because you, you try something that has like, if it's really expensive and you go from that, then it's like, well, damn it. No, I don't want to buy this, you know, $40 bottle. I want the $200 bottle, but I'm not buying a $200 bottle. So I guess I'll just stick, with forty, you know, $40 bottles. You which... know what,
1: man? <laughs> the, the, in, in, at risk of derailing us that bourbon is, is quite a thing. It's like, it's like the poor man's good stuff, because bourbon as a whole is not that expensive. And, it, and it's obviously, I don't, maybe not obviously, if, if people don't know what makes bourbon bourbon. But bourbon is the only American thing. It's like scotch can't be scotch unless it comes from scotch. Yep, well, yep. Bourbon can't be bourbon unless it's made in the United States. You could pick up an entire distillery and somehow transport it over to Japan and make the same stuff. And it's not bourbon anymore. It's yeah, you know, it's just Japanese whiskey. So it, it's it's got to be 51% corn. That's what makes bourbon bourbon. Uh, it has to be aged for a minimum of two years in a new charred oak barrel. Uh, there's there's basically five things, uh, other than a sixth thing would be made in the U.S. that that make it bourbon. And it's it's really it's kind of like the blues, you know, in the sense that America doesn't have a lot of stuff that's not that's ours, you know. Right, I mean? no, you're We've totally right. And urban yep. is
0: it's one of those things. Oh my god, this is great.
2: I just learned something very important tonight. Right. I mean Forget deer my, hunting. My man. night is my <laughs> night is over. It's all done. <laughs> this is Podcast great. over. Oh, I learned no. what I needed to learn and that's it.
1: Uh, Greg, why didn't you bring a glass I, I, of what? I, I, <laughs> I joke a bit because because I'm uh uh you know, I'm I'm a red blooded American things, and that. And, you know, I, I, I put my hand over my heart unknowingly, accidentally, every time that there's a, you know, somebody's singing the national anthem, it's just been bred into me. And, and so when I see somebody drinking a Canadian whiskey, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Why oh, aren't man. you drinking bourbon? You know, my buddies say, hey, man, rye is really good. You got to try this rye. And I, I'm not doing it. Sorry. I drink bourbon. Why? That's America. That's why. America.
0: I think maybe you gave me shit for drinking scotch at one point. Maybe it was someone else, but it sounds like it was he you. Did. It sounds like it could have been you. <laughs> and, and I think that actually like stuck in my brain. I was like, "Man, I think he's got a point. Like, I should probably, you know, drink some bourbon." So here I am.
1: Short. I, I noticed that shortly after I gave you shit, there was uh, uh, you, you had you had stopped doing that, and then you were drinking the straw time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was so so funny. Well, those (laughs) guys—they showed up in my radar somehow, and I was like, "You guys, I drink scotch and bourbon on my show every Tuesday. I feel like this is a match made in in heaven, right? Or something like we should be friends." And they're like, "Well, yeah. Let's let's do this. We'll send you some booze and tell us what you think." I was like, "Okay." And so I got some vodka of theirs, which is uh, all corn-based vodka. I have some of their um, their moonshine, the moonshine, which is all apple. Base? No, it's not all apple base. If you read it, it's apple and corn. It's oh, it's what mostly bourbon. Apple. Yeah, it's it's a nice little nightcap. It's really what and it then is. the and then the drop time bourbon is kind of like their signature uh, thing. They're doing they're pretty new, man. They've only been around for like maybe a year or a little bit more than that, and they're uh, getting some traction in some other states now, which is cool. Good for them. Yeah, yeah, neat company. But you know, we could talk about that for a while, which is totally cool. I mean, look. I'm kinda of checked out for the moment. Greg's still checked in, chasing some tenderloins or whatever he's after out there. Uh, big Buck McGee, I don't know what he's got going on, but he's still chasing him with his bow in the in the, you know, in the cold. But dude, you have quite the history here of putting deer down, so like walk us through that real quick.
1: You mean from the beginning?
0: I mean, yeah, let's spend a little bit of time in the beginning and then more time towards the end.
1: Okay. <laughs> Uh, Way to be vague. <laughs> I, I started off, uh, yeah, right? Well, let's just let's broaden this out a bit. He says. I, I've, I guess I started hunting uh, by myself. Obviously, my father started me out. But I started hunting by myself uh, uh, for squirrels and such when I was probably seven. Uh, killed my first deer in Illinois with a, a shotgun when I was 10. Killed my first deer with a bow in Illinois when I was 11. Killed my first buck in, in Illinois with a bow when I was 12. Uh, didn't really decide to start hunting big deer. Uh, when, when young men turn a certain age, their mind tends to go to one thing. So I spent my, my time playing pool because obviously that was the thing I'm talking about. Uh, so I played pool for a long time. And then right in around 2007, I decided to uh, I decided to try and hunt big deer. And that was, like, that was like when trail cameras were kind of in their heyday, you know. Lee and Tiffany were still uh, doing di- getting close uh, back with the, the old theme song, which was much better than the current theme song, if you remember. Uh, but th- at that point, I had success. And since 2007, I've killed like six, 16, what I would call, trophy deer. And uh, you know, that's anywhere... You know, there were several deer in the 170s and uh, 60s, 50s, and a few under 150, and all but two of those were with a rifle. Or excuse me, were with a, a bow. So I'm loving every bit of it. I I just I live for it all year, and I think really hard about it every single time. I start getting nightmares, in, you know, mid to late August about missing deer and and things like that. Uh, in 2011, I moved from Illinois to Nebraska and then had to transition make a hard transition to uh, to mule deer when EHD hit all the deer in Illinois it's hard enough going back and trying to hunt family farms uh, you know from two states away but it's even harder when all the deer dead from EHD like they were in in 2013 that's a that's kind of a little synopsis there of me sure
0: that's, that's a good
2: synopsis what brought you to Nebraska
1: I work for a railroad. Okay. So. So, like, how did I, you uh, came here for work? And oh, go ahead. Well, I I, I said I came here for work and uh, uh, immediately that year started working really, really hard to try and find ground and knocking doors and and you know doing all the things that diehards do and that non diehards look at those diehards and say, how do you have that ground? You know, I'd kill deer like that if I had that ground. Well, it's not like I was bequeathed to the ground. I went and found it, you know, and worked really, really hard to get it. It's my 10th year in Nebraska right now. And I just now last year got what I would consider to be mediocre whitetail property. So it's whitetail hunting is hard to get proper, to get land in Nebraska, like I said, we used to be able to hunt public, and now it's just every every dude in the country is all headed out out west because Nebraska's tags are cheap, and supposedly there's a lot of public land. Most of it's bean stubble. Well, it's what it is. I'm not complain too much. I love hunting, and I love everybody else that hunts. I'm glad they're around.
0: No, that's good. That's a good attitude, man. We need more of that, and we need that to permeate louder. So, like, that's a good that's a good perspective to have. I do have, so I have two questions. Um, <clears throat> do you have a, uh, are you scheduled to be on Whitetail Cribs with Exodus trail cam yet? Or is that a thing for you?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, my buddy Damien was, uh, Damien riffle. Oh, he was. Okay. I, they, yep. Yep. He's, he's in central Ohio there. He and I got together through the working class bowhunter podcast through the team. And, and we have since hit it off and he's an animal and, uh, I'm I'm kind of a fatter animal, but I'm still a <laughs> killer, you know what I mean? Hey, animals are all different shapes. So Real
0: bromance, just,
1: huh? That's good. Yeah, I, I put a I made a meme that said, does anybody else, and I, I stole it from somewhere, but does anybody else try and breathe quieter so at Damien Hunt doesn't hear you fighting for your life when you're walking out of a canyon? <laughs> because <laughs> the guy's got a resting heart rate of three.
0: And you're just <laughs> hoofing it.
1: Oh God, I'm almost ready to die. There's a, there's another podcast where we're laughing about it over there on uh, Outdoor Drive. But that's pretty. That's good, fun. Yeah. Damien, and I hit it off. The guy is a the guy is a, a true killer, and and I we really enjoy hunting together. So we think we're going to try a little bit of elk next year if we can get Ooh, that.
0: Where guy. are you going to go?
1: And New Mexico. I'm uh, uh I'm in the process of shedding the fat that's on top of my fat and so if i can uh get down to i one lose layer. the fat that's on top of that fat then i'll try and turn the rest of the fat into muscle and then maybe only have to ask him to wait up two or three times
0: that's funny dude i got dude covid put me in such shitty shape it's terrible i'm just and like last summer i was like oh gung-ho it's nice on a run i was doing like seven mile runs and now i'm just not doing anything at all Zero. <laughs> oh, and you know, you throw the holidays yeah. on top of that, and all the cookies and cake and pie and cheesecake and you know, Oreos, nachos. All a bit, I don't know, all these O things. It's good stuff.
1: <laughs> well, Dude. this has been a good winter for me. I've uh, I shed about 25 pounds here. what did you do? So. It? I'll just not be an idiot, right? What? Just eat normal. I can't like I would. I would just eat too much before. So I just ate normal and, uh, uh, you know, tried to cut out some of the horrible things that I was eating in copious amounts. And it just kind of falls off of you. You know, I looked, I looked at myself in the mirror the other day and I kind of looked like, you know, in the eighties, nobody was actually like, they weren't buff. They just weren't fat. So I kind of looked like, uh, a, a dad bought Magnum P I. This is what it kind of looked like
0: that's, dude, that's great that's like a great description they're not they're not buff but they're just not fat oh that's great right
1: a little bit hairy <laughs> For mcdonald's like
0: ruled the world uh so how did you go from like you know hunting average regular old okayest bucks to mature whitetails like obviously something changed within your or you made like a decision but then what was the journey like? Uh, how did you go from, like, what was the leap, I guess, like?
1: Well, uh, I think that's a several-part question. So one that's of the first it, yeah. on that, I think, would be inspiration. And uh, <clears throat> the, my inspiration at that point, and, and there might be some people that, that wouldn't say this out loud or whatever, but my inspiration at that point was, was uh, you know, Lee Lukoski Lee and watching these guys that that made – that made it possible to kill big deer every year. And you realize that he's not paying to hunt. I mean, he might have some, something else going on. I don't, I don't know about that, but the guy's not getting guided. He's guiding himself. And I watch other people around who were killing big giant deer uh, in the area. And I had a, a local mentor taxidermist, Dave Inkin, there in central Illinois, who, you know, when you're a kid, your, your brains really haven't grown in yet, but he would throw out tidbits every once in a while. And I sunk my teeth into one of his, one of his hooks one time. And the rest is kind of history. He just gave a little bit of good advice and I latched onto it. And since I'm an obsessive person, uh, when I, when I started doing it, that's all that I did. Uh, when I was joking around earlier about playing fool, that, it was kind of a joke and kind of not a joke because I played pool 10 hours a day for two years. And at, at one point I was ranked in the state of Illinois, like starting from, from nothing to that in two years. That's I, I pretty good shot, you know, kind of. And so when I, when I transferred that focus onto deer hunting thing, the world kind of changed. Uh, the only thing that I kind of wish I would have done different is realized that I could have done it twice every year. <laughs> I would quit after the first one. I still have another buck yet. Uh,
0: What were some of the aha moments? Like what were some of the things like once the focus shift, what, how did you start putting the puzzle pieces together? What, what fell into place? Okay. Uh,
1: well, I don't say, and, and keep in mind trail cameras were a thing, but I wasn't utilizing them, uh, like I should have. And, and people killed big deer before there were trail cameras. You know, sometimes everybody forgets that there were, there were good hunters before then. And, So that's the kind of hunter this guy was. So he, the the little things that he put out there were very obvious, which are, is what time of the year is it? It's November. Why are you, why are you here? Why aren't you in the tree? And a lot of guys hate on November. Uh, You'll notice that people hating on November are the guys, uh, Damien, for example, he hates November and he hates it because the deer that they are tracking, uh, by cell cam or by trail camera or by heavy scouting. Um, The deer that they have been keeping track of all year are going to leave. Well, back before all that intelligence was even possible, you hunted November because that's when the animals were going to be on their feet. So my my main focus that very first year was don't go in the woods until November. And I've heard a lot of people say that they don't, you know, they don't, they don't savvy that, you know, like I, I think I've heard Cody, the the lone wolf guy say that a few times. He, he doesn't like it when people say don't hunt until November. Well, and maybe I'm misquoting him, but I, I don't like hunting until November unless there's a reason. I mean, if I've got some sort of intelligence, that has got a big deer in there, then I'll be out. I would be after him. But as a general rule, deer season doesn't start for me for, for big white tails in Illinois until October 25th. Uh, and even that point, it's, it's just kind of dipping my toes in the water. And then, uh, it, when, when November 1st hits wild, wild stuff starts to happen. So when I don't, uh, as far as the revelations that I had, I, I didn't spoil any of my property. I didn't mess with it at all. Uh, I put my stands up early and, I, I knew the farm had been hunting it all my life, but there's a difference between hunting little de- uh, deer and, and big deer. So I hadn't necessarily made those connections yet as to why I was hunting where I was. <clears throat> I would just hunt the biggest, baddest part of the of the timber. And I think on my third hunt of the year, I – I, I really got after one. I'll save that for later because I think you got a question to ask me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so I'll
0: that,
1: yep. I'll save that story for later. But uh, don't don't overpressure and stop shooting the little ones. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. It's not about so much passing deer so that they'll grow. It's not shooting the the smaller ones so that you're still in the stand when the bigger one walks by.
0: Again, I the first time sense. I've heard someone say that. And I don't know how much you follow OKS okay Hunter, but one of their slogans is "never pass."
1: And oh, you know, I lo- dude, you are a genius <laughs> at marketing that that never pass and the whole OKS stuff. I love that. I love that.
0: <laughs> but it's like never pass on uh, making a memory. Like just whatever the hell gets your pee hot, is my buddy Jared down in Arkansas says. Um, that's that's what you're not passing on. And you know, parlay that into really, we're talking about deer, but you know, make a make it. Make it whatever it is to you, but no, you're the first person I've ever heard say that out loud that way. That you you've know, never even thought that. No, I'd never. It's never even occurred to me. I just learned something <sighs> new too. This you're is okay. Like...
1: <laughs> well, how many times? Well, I guess if you if you got the never pass shirt on, it, it might the answer might be zero to this. But I think a lot of people who are who are really trying to kill big deer uh, as a target, I think that. As a general rule, it's probably not the first deer that walked by you that day. It, sometimes it, it, it is, but how many times would you have would someone have been bucked out uh, in Illinois, for example, a two-buck state or Nebraska, a two-buck state or Ohio, a two-buck state. If you shoot the first 120 that walks by, uh, which I know that's a different story. I just use that for an example. I'm not talking about the East Coast, you know, where where the, the larger deer are. You shoot the first 120 that walks by you. You're done. You don't get to be there for the big deer. So, yeah, it's it's a little different way of thinking, I guess.
2: Or you're hunting an area where a 120 is the big deer.
1: It, it, if that's the case, rock and roll, right? Right. Uh, this is two like a years shift. ago, I shot a 125 in Nebraska. It was tickled tank with it.
0: I just haven't, I, I think I think this season I've seen some of the biggest deer I've ever seen while in a stand with a bow in my hand. And, and so thank you, Greg. Uh, you know, one of them just never got remotely close enough for me to even consider taking a shot. Uh, I, and But then I experimented. I was like, well, you know, F it, I'm out here. He's right there. I don't know if I'm going to see him ever again. So I snort-weezed at him. It didn't go well. He ran away. But I tried. And I also practiced snort wheezing for like six hours the day before that and drove my wife absolutely crazy.
2: Dude calls me on the phone. He's like, listen to this. I'm like, what was that? That's my snort wheeze. (laughs) Okay. I've never even heard that noise in the woods before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, were you slashing tires?
0: I was just like, man, to uh, deflate whatever. a balloon. I thought, well, this is the biggest buck I've ever seen. He must be the domino out here. If I snorries at him, logic tells me, from what I've learned, he might want to come challenge this shit. Yeah, he went. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. Peace. Peace. I was like, oh, well, whatever. He wasn't coming my direction anyway. So, it, you know, maybe he would have turned back around. Unlikely, but um,
1: he That's probably like thought I, that. I always, I, I always refer to deer as people. I always liken them to them. So. That's coming on a little too strong, right? That's if you're trying to pick up the girl. That's coming on a little bit too strong there. That's that's starting at an eight when when maybe you should have just asked. If so that's like it, yelling, right? "Hey, <laughs> yo, bitch!" instead
0: of saying, "Hey, Sadie, or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eric, calm down. You can't call women that.
0: <laughs> oh. oh boy. Well, if you're Jesse Pinkman, maybe, but you know from uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh boy,
1: Pinkman. I, I uh, uh, on the calling aspect, I, I'm a huge fan of the grunt call, and I'm, uh, I'm I've got nothing against the snort wheeze if it, it escalates to that point.
0: So that's a game of escalation. Man. Certainly you're, not going you're to go. Here. We're suddenly of strong
1: snort wheeze at this.
0: Deer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember honestly. At this point, I couldn't tell you. I might have grunted at him too, and that wasn't working. I was like, "Fuck it! I'm gonna not, I'm gonna take it up a notch here," and I went right to that. And so he, he hey. was like, "No."
1: That's not a bad, that's not a terrible idea. Unless maybe he was like, he could see you. I don't like to do it when they can see me.
0: Nah, He didn't see me at all. So, There's not I a know. chance from how my mind remembers it. Mainly because it has a behind freaking giant tree trunk. But anyway, I he probably
2: thought it was that little buck sneezing. That's all. Yeah. Uh, like so minutes him, beforehand, I, just got, I saw a little He guy. just got done yeah. kicking his ass. Yeah. That Get deer ran away. He sneezed. <laughs> that's fine. All the ladies went this way. I'm out of here. See ya. Yeah.
0: That's what it was. Who knows? But, you know, that's uh, one of those things. Like, it, it's guys, good to. Do you guys experiment. Make grunt
1: sounds with your natural? Can you make grunt sounds naturally without mm. a grunt tube? Like, burr, burr. can you do that? Uh,
2: uh, not really. No, 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 that was really
1: impressive.
2: <laughs> Dry throat, well, not good.
1: Uh, there, there is. Everybody, like, I always laugh. Everybody that says they can do it, they could do that in the truck driving down the road, uh, or they could do that uh, drinking beer with their buddies. Mm-hmm. But when there's a 165 standing at 50 yards and you're at full draw, and you have to no throats a their,
2: their Their heart's in their throat. There's no way they're doing a good grunt unless they've had a lot of experience yeah. around a 160 inch deer. I,
1: I pulled that off twice on the same deer and kept spinning him and coming back around and spinning him and coming back around. You talk about pressure to be able to go uh, 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 and make it right. Why? It's I couldn't believe I did it. Because every time I tried to do it on a medium deer, it's like, eh, eh.
0: <laughs> oh that deer's balls just dropped
1: <laughs> go for that snort wheeze, quick <laughs> give him the snort wheeze. give him the snort wheeze.
0: strike <laughs> <laughs> oh that's gotta go on a shirt give him, give him the snort wheeze give that's like what's wheeze. that movie along came polly rain man and he just freaking misses
1: <laughs> don't wheeze. worry about it ricky Give him the heater. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Give him the heater.
0: <laughs> oh, you and Greg must be closer to the same age. That was a good movie, man. Yeah, you uh, got to watch it if you have. That was a solid reference. You know, oh, that was a good reference. Oh God! <laughs> All right, so that's that's good stuff, man. And honestly, like we're we're learning a ton here. I think we're starting the new year off right uh, with dropping some some good n- wisdom and knowledge and experience. Whew. I don't. Know, I think our audience ranges from like beginner. We have a lot of noobs and beginners, but we have some intermediate. And then uh, you had mentioned, oh, are we doing a tactic talk? Well, not tonight, but that's why I spun that up because I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great to get knowledge delivered to you in a silver platter where you don't have to sift through a two-hour long show to get those nuggets? And it's from guys that have proven that they can effectively kill big deer. And so that's what that is. Um, We'll have to jam out on a tactic talk or a couple of them. Uh, We'll launch that up again in like August probably because... Right now, honestly, most people seem to have checked out. There's a lot of the hardcore guys that haven't. But if there's any any knowledge you want to drop, that like we can talk winter camping a little bit because I know you're into that, and you know maybe some things kind of correlate there with the late season.
1: Yeah, I just talk staying warm. basically is what we're talking about. Yeah, right. um, That's something that uh, that that I'm pretty. I don't know if there was a a. a an area where I said I'm an expert at something that has to do with deer hunting. I'm, i I would say that that was it. I like, I, I, don't get cold and I've got a couple simple things that I do and, uh, they might not work for everyone's situation, might not work for everybody's body type. I have no idea, but the, the, some of the easy things that I do are my boots. I wear rubber boots. Some guys like, uh, Leather lace-ups. I don't. I wear rubber boots when I hunt white tail, and I wear a size 11, and my boots are size 12 and a half. So,
0: how much uh, thin slate you pack in those things warm. in the cold? Because th- they get heavy then, right? What's that? Depending on how much thin slate you have in there, they get Dude, pretty heavy. Dude, was
2: just gonna get to it. Ah, okay, just okay. simmer down. Right, right.
1: Continue, well, please. It, it's it's less about the weight and more about the microclimate that you're gonna create between your foot and the outside air so if you restrict your blood flow by putting on too many pairs of socks and then squeezing them into your foot it, it, it doesn't matter how many hand warmers you duct tape to your soul nope uh it it's it, if you restrict your blood flow your feet are going to get cold and i i don't wear anything more than a, uh, a cotton sock just a white white sock with a gray you know normal socks And I, I put those inside that giant boot and I can, I can literally move my foot two inches forward, two inches backwards, half inch to the side, half inch to the other side. My foot just rattles around inside there. And that's what, that's what keeps your feet warm. Uh, the only other thing that I would, that I would say is that, uh, if I were going out and, in the teens or worse, which I do quite a bit, I do switch to a wool sock simply because your feet eventually will sweat. And if they do, then, you know, sweat equals water. Water, water equals three times uh, conduction. Or, conduction or convection, I don't know. One way or the other. It's a conductor, so it's going it's, to it's gonna
2: suck the heat right off your foot. And I do the same yeah. thing here, and, you yeah. know, in the Great White North. I'll, I'll actually walk out with a thinner pair of socks on. And then once I get settled in, I'll kick my boots off and switch to a heavier pair of wool socks.
1: That makes some sense for sure. And then, uh, I also, I'm all about puffy packable down. So, uh, packable down coats that stuff into their own pocket. I might have, uh, two of those in addition to everything that I had planned on wearing. I'll have those with me. And then it's the the obvious ones that this isn't some revelation that nobody's ever heard of. You don't walk to the stand with your coats dipped. You don't walk to the stand with all your coats on. Um, I really like a bib because I can put my clothes on, put my bibs on the outside of them. And then I can take my arms out of my coat and then they just hang behind me. And then when I get to the stand, all I have to do is reach back with my hands and put my coat back on and, and tuck it back into my bibs. It's, it's all about creating those microclimates. But the puffy jackets—you have to—the last key to that puzzle. You can put on as many puffy jackets as you want, and if they're not windbreakers, then you got a problem. So you have to have one outside layer that's that's a windbreaker. And as far as hands go, uh, I heard some people dogging on hot hands the other day. I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but. My hands are the best thing ever, man. I'll, I'll, I'll carry a mask because I don't wear gloves. Certainly not on my right hand. Um, I don't wear gloves when I'm when I'm bow hunting. So my hands are in uh, are in a pocket where there's a hand warmer, and everything's fine. If a deer were to come in, so be it. Let my let my hands get cold. Uh, you know, if I if I have to do a five minute stare down when it's five degrees out, I'll, I'm going to regret that. But if I make it happen in the end, it's not really going to matter.
2: No, you'll be warming your hands up in the guts anyway.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah, like the Star Wars movie where he cuts that thing open.
2: Yeah.
0: Which one was that? It's the second don't one. don't know. That was a really confident answer, Greg. You, I'm not sure it. I actually <laughs> trust you. That was too confident. Fucking <laughs> 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 liar. Uh, whatever. That's funny. Dude, that's good. that's good advice. Who the hell is on hand by the way? What? You gotta be kidding me! I don't know. They've saved a few hunts. I keep I keep a bag of hand warmers in my in my truck now. Like winter, I just have them in there. You never know. Like what if I Creek Farm
2: just had them on sale? Yeah,
0: ten pack for ten bucks. Yeah, can't go wrong. It's like the one thing I overstock up on. I always have like a whole bunch left in my bin from gun or whatever late season. I got one of my late season bow bin and hand warmers everywhere. I don't hate on those things at all. In fact, so I use, like, one of the quarterback pouches, right? I don't know what the hell they're called. Yeah, Hamlet. it's a hand muff. Hand I muff. got one. He's a hand muff. I use really thin gloves, or I use gloves. You're talking
1: about the, the, the tube that you put your hands in?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Absolutely, that. absolutely. Best thing ever is, uh, is, is to skin on skin, man. That'll, that'll keep your hands warm. Mm-hmm. And if, if one hand's cold, the other hand will warm it right back up. And it's all about keeping, keeping your neck, your crotch, and your feet warm. And obviously your core, but yeah, that's that's where heat's gonna go out. The so, that's a big
0: one. I have um that, uh, just a wool turtleneck sleeve. It that's all it is. And I tuck it in under my shirt, under my back, you know. Uh and then it just so I don't have to wear it on the way in, but once I get to where I'm going, I take that out and I put that on and it seals everything up nice little wool neck warmer thing. I don't know what it's called. Uh,
1: it well they uh well I, I knew what it was called. A gator. Uh if no. you have if you wear a neck gator you can take off, from my experience, two layers of what you would have needed before.
0: It's crazy. And it's so, just like sometimes if I forget I have yeah, it on, I'm, out, I'm like, oh,
1: no. Equipment.
0: <laughs> I wonder yeah. I'm so hot, you know.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's where you lose a lot of your heat. Yeah. If you don't have something covered in your neck, you can have the warmest jacket in the world. If all the heat's esca- escaping yeah. out that way, mm-hmm. and you're going to get cold.
1: And and it's important on the way into the stand to make sure that that area is exposed. Yep. Right, Your armpits, your neck, if they're exposed, they'll keep you cool on the way to the stand.
0: Mm-hmm. I know Greg's a big fan of merino wool, so he converted me this season. I dropped some pretty pennies on some merino wool stuff, and I actually just got some more for Christmas. Um, well, it's nice because you can walk out to the stand with that. It breathes, but yet it keeps just
2: enough heat on you while you're walking. Mm-hmm. And once you settle in, like, like Clay's saying, then you start putting your layers on. Yeah. Then, then you work with it from there. And
1: wool retains 80% of its insulatory value mm-hmm. or insulative value, whatever you want to say, when it's wet. Yep. So even if you do get wet, that's why wool socks are, are often recommended. So.
0: Right. It's good stuff. I don't know, Greg, what are you doing for late season? You're out there. What are you doing? What are you looking for?
2: Mm, I'd like to uh, maybe wrap my hands around a, a deer with antlers, but we'll see. Still got a couple of doe tags I can fill, so pretty much anything goes right now. I don't want to shoot a little buck, and I've done my share of passing on little bucks this year and in, in years past, so probably in years past I, I shouldn't have been passing on some of those little bucks. It took me a long time to actually shoot what I thought was good, but it's what it is. It's my thing, and I'll do what I want.
0: I'll do what I want, damn it. Do it myself
1: you running trail cameras,
2: Greg? I am running trail cameras. I've got a couple out. Um, half the fleet's sitting in the basement right now. I should have them out, but uh, we just finished up with a, a, a late doe-only gun season, and people are kind of roaming around all over, and it's still rabbit season. we got a lot of guys that like to rabbit hunt around here, so trail cameras will disappear then too, and then once people start hearing about other people finding sheds, then they're roaming around and getting into places, so... It's not a great great time of year to keep a trail camera out, but I have a couple out in certain areas where I know deer deer definitely coming through. So it's a good thing You can see who's still. No, I'm not using Spartan. I've got uh, a good handful of Exodus, a couple of Moultrie, and some wild game, but nothing nothing cellular. It's all it's all regular, just SD card type cameras.
1: Well, I don't have any affiliation or anything like that. Sure, and I don't, I can't discuss as to whether one cell camera is better than another. All I can discuss is that I started using uh, a Spartan this year as my first kind of dipping my toe into that. Mm-hmm. And you talk about life changing, like well, <laughs> it, the instant, it's a big deal. Yeah, um, it's, it's instant it's information. Wild, man, absolutely crazy. Now. It, People people say, you know, you don't trust, you can't trust your trail cameras because they'll lie to you. Uh, and that's true. Um, <laughs> but when it's going well, you know, right? Like right. the deer don't have to walk by your camera. But when they are walking by your camera, it's confirmation that it's happening. And you used to have to let them marinate and stuff like that. I'm going full tilt this spring. I am, I am absolutely jumping into that. And the only reason I'm staying with. Like, it's not, like I said, I don't know whether Spartan's better than another one, but I could say this, it worked flawlessly for me, and since I've already got the program, I am absolutely sold on them, you know? Yeah, it's hard so to if get away. ever way. if you ever go that way, okay maybe a good way to go. Sure, absolutely.
0: I'm dropping cell cams this season coming up, and I'm not going to do it like, You know, what I would compare to someone ice fishing, you know, looking out uh, on their lake house, sitting in there drinking beer and then, you know, waiting for tip-up to go and then running out there. Like, I'm not going to go hunt the moment I see something or what have you or use it that way. But for me, I don't have, like, where I hunt with Greg, it's 30 minutes from my house. So I'm not trying to drive 30 minutes to go check something or or putts around. Or even if it's close, I have some properties that are close. But I got two kids, man, and I got a day job and, like, five side hustles. So, like, (laughs) I don't have... A ton of time. I just need to get some extra eyes on some of these areas that I've scouted that I'm familiar with to just give me a better idea of which one to hit. And so I probably will drop one to two on a couple of different properties and see how that goes. And right now I'm eyeing up the, uh, was it the spy? Tacta? You were saying Tacticam. Tacticam, spy point. I don't know the difference. One of the two. But a cell cam. Or buying a cheapie and throwing this, whatever the, the little connector is on them.
1: Because speaking from a guy who just learned all this last year, you will be shocked that what you, what you learn is not, Oh, I got to get in stand right now. The amount of uh, intelligence that you gain and, and are able to connect the dots relating to movement versus all of the variables that have to do with hunting is crazy because before You'd go check your trail camera a week later or two weeks later. Or, you know, In some cases, I'd let one marinate for, for 30 days in late season in the summer. When it's happening on your cell phone right then, forget about hunting. Forget about people talking about whether you can cheat and know he's there. Just the watching movement happen versus the moon phase, versus the cold front, versus the temperature, all of those things happening. It is wild. To see and and how much you really learn right then, Shock. absolutely shocked. I, it, it is the most valuable tool, the most valuable tool, besides your bow, your arrows, and your release, that a deer hunter can have right now. It's absolutely crazy, and I, like I say, I'm not, I'm, I have no affiliation. I'm not trying to sell cameras here. No, I don't either. Luckily, because that, that's like I'm just what trying can, to give can, tips. Can, you know, yeah,
0: we don't we can, have any
1: affiliation.
0: One of the areas I can do whatever the hell I want. I'll do what I want. Damn it. You know, I'm gonna go buy. <laughs> Whatever I can afford, honestly, and uh, you know, the the lower the dollar, the more I can deploy. And hopefully, there's a there's a balance between you know what you're going to spend on the quality. But I don't need some high def picture. I just need a picture, you know. But plus, if you have a cell cam, I think you'll know when it gets stolen too. <laughs> Suddenly, taking a picture of someone's living room. Oh, <laughs> I well, ain't in Kansas anymore.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm gonna walk out there to
0: not find it. I'll know. Oh, there goes another one. Right? That
1: happened. To, that happened to some friends. Yeah, they they see him. People know what cell cameras are, so they're not dumb enough to walk in front of them. So if somebody really is going to steal your camera, they climb up the backside of the tree, and they get it. You, you just see a picture of the sky, and then they shut your camera
0: off. Right, yeah. Damn it, damn it. Yeah. I know there's that, we talked about this before, there's a company that you can put a sticker on that says this is tracked by GPS, blah, blah, blah. I think it scares some folks away, but yeah, I think they've marketed so much now that everyone knows what it is. And who the hell is putting a GPS tracker on their freaking, on their, on their uh, trail cam? Seriously. Is that even possible? Can you even do that?
1: Could be. there has got to be some sort of a track my cell phone tag thing.
0: Yeah. That's what I'll say. Yep. This is hooked up to my iPhone. I'll find you. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I think uh, given the time on the clock here, I'd love to hear your most memorable hunt.
1: Okay. Uh, So I was getting ready to tell it earlier, and this was the the one that started it for me. Uh, So... I wasn't getting much outside help and, uh, my cousin who was probably 20 years older than me, she, she came and helped me put a deer stand up and she's not a hunter. She just was there in case I died. She could tell people, you know, what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, she helps me put this deer stand up. I leave it alone. Long story, uh, short fast forward to I'm, I'm sitting in this giant white Oak tree on, uh, uh, on the edge of this ridge uh, overlooking the, the edge of a bedding area. And at 4.30 on November well, November 1st, I didn't recover until November 2nd, but on November 1st, 2007, 4.30 p.m., uh, I hear some faint grunts uh, coming my way and a couple of does kind of squirt over the hill next to me and – here comes easily the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life because as a general rule, I was shooting the first thing that was coming out and I didn't have any, I didn't have any knowledge for our knowledge of this deer Other than the fact that i lived in a great deer place with good deer ground. And if you bided your time, it was going to happen. So this deer is coming uh, in, on a string and he's going to walk in front of me at 20 yards. And he decides uh, I'm, I'm just getting ready to draw my bow and, and bear in mind, I had lived in Wisconsin for a year or two prior to this. Uh, and that's where I learned what I would say, how to really shoot a bow at that point. I was, I was shooting very well. Um, uh, how well it, do, it doesn't matter, but I was shooting very well and, and very confident uh, at the time I was shooting a, I think I was shooting a switchback XT maybe, uh, but I I was feeling really good about what I was doing and the deer instead of crossing in front of me turned and, and uh, kind of sidestepped my stand and I grunt stomped him and he, he continued forward, you know, another eight or nine inches. And all I could see was the back two ribs uh, as to what's going on. And I suppose people could call this unethical and call it whatever they want. But I was, I had my feet all the way back, against the tree and where the tree and the the platform meet. And I was probably leaned out at, I would say a minimum of a 45 uh, degree angle and and way out. And I was, I I could see that the last two ribs on this deer. And there was a piece of, of Ivy growing up the side of the tree that he was behind. And he was at like 26 yards. So at that point I, I felt pretty good about it. And this, this ivy vine was at like 15 yards, and there was a little piece of green, uh, a little leaf that was just kind of sticking off that ivy. And I said to myself, "If I cut that stem off that leaf, I'll catch you know two ribs, two ribs up, and it will be front liver, back of the lungs. And he was uh, quartering away a little bit, so it was gonna be, it was going to be a uh, certainly a fatal shot. But it wasn't gonna be a double lunger anyway. I was gonna get you know some lung and and certainly a lot of liver. And I let go and after after I let go, everything slowed down, and I I, I heard I heard the echo, you know. It was kind of like a slow motion sound of when you let the bow go. It's just kind of and I I remember that arrow going and flying towards that ivy and I saw that little leaf go ping and just clip off and kind of start it it, it kind of popped it out away from the tree I saw the impact on the deer Um, I wasn't totally sure because instantly it's behind you know he's behind a tree instantly after that and and hauling tail the other way I remember seeing that little green leaf just floating uh, halfway down to the ground before I absolutely lost my mind and uh, that deer went 75 yards and crashed. I didn't hear him crash, so I gave him until the next morning. And my father and I went in to find him, and we saw a coyote uh, in the general area as to where he was. And we checked him really slow, and, and it was, I didn't know it, but I remember the blood trail pretty vividly it was dark dark red blood so obviously a lot of liver um, but i had cut some type of an artery or something that that helped him expire a little bit faster and when we got to him uh, the coyote had just taken a nibble or two off his hind quarter and it was absolute pandemonium for me i i never i had never done that before and all everything kind of came together because i i had decided that that was what I was going to do this year, and all these people had told me well if you do these things it, it will happen and it was very a very if you build a they will come moment it was it was pretty cool it made it possible and I was really proud of that hunt and within that spot where that tree was I put a stand back up in that tree this year first time where that stand was I've killed uh, one of uh, that deer was a 156, but he was really short timed and a 10. Um, he was a 156. I killed a 175, a 165, a. Uh, and my brothers killed a 150, uh, and my two deer ever. The, uh, I killed a doe in the fall in my first year. Those, those animals all died within a, or, or were shot within 25 to 30 feet of each other. So it's just a little spot there on the farm that's really, really nice. And that, that memory won't ever, ever go anywhere else. That was such a wild, wild thing for me that just kicked off what I have so much passion for today.
0: That's cool. That's a good story. I don't know if you know, but I got my first ever buck with a bow this season and it happened to be on public land. And I, man, I got to chalk that up to being probably one of my most memorable hunts. And similar to your story, I've been listening to people on this show say, do this, do that. And uh, hearing Greg, has to say along the, the way, the, this whole season and went out on my own and uh, applied everything that I've been learning. And it, there's some luck there. You know, I actually got to see a deer. <laughs> But it all came together, and all that stuff added up, man. All those little things over time, it all allowed that to be a good hunt. So I, I can relate a little bit, but it certainly wasn't nearly the size of animal you're talking about. So I got to imagine that kicked up a couple. Sounds of pretty okay.
1: <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Sounds pretty okay. That's uh, right, man. Sounds pretty okay. You know, I, I'm I, this. I don't know why this is coming to me right now, but so Austin, uh, Austin Chandler is is a friend of mine. I don't know if you know who that is, but he, mm-hmm. we lived together in, in college and he had killed, at that point, he had killed a really nice deer. And I think of what I would call for the Midwest, a, a, a respectable deer, one was really nice and one respectable. And, you know, he's, he's three years younger than I am. So we lived in the same house together in college. And I remember, Texting him when I had shot this deer, and then all of a sudden we kind of were the next year or two, you know, we're kind of feeding off each other, and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden he starts killing two a year, and was like, "Whoa, how is that? How you can do that?" <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Awesome. i would forgotten about some of that.
0: That's cool. Yeah, his his deer are huge. He's he's like a really cool like. He's got a house land. or something too though. Like I feel like I've seen some folks say they're at his place and it looks like he's got a sweet bar or like trophy room or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's got a cool, I've never been to the ranch cave because every time I'm back in Illinois now I'm hunting. Right. And when I'm done hunting in Illinois, I'm back home. Yeah. Back here trying to kill another deer. It's, I don't know. I think I'm maybe I'm missing a little bit of, uh, of the camaraderie that I should be holding out for But,
0: well, if you ever want to stop in Wisconsin, we got some camaraderie here, and we'll be happy to throw back some bourbon with you now that we know more about it.
1: <laughs> I used to live in Waukesha, not oh, far away. Yeah, down
0: the road. I are up in Waukesha, so I know it well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the Ojibwa Archery Club, okay, Ojibwa Bow Hunters. That was uh, in New Berlin. Okay, that's where I learned how to shoot. Very cool. No way, man. Pretty badass little place. It had like three 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 ranges. I was putting like two hundred arrows into into three D a day while I was there. Wow. That was fun. It, it is is a lot of fun.
0: fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> well man, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for like connecting with us and, and telling us your story and sharing your knowledge and it was good. And and just, you know, I'll reach back up. We'll get you on for a tactic talk and we spin that back up and I'm sure there's a couple things we can jam out about there and um You know, we're going into season two this year of most memorable hunts, so yours will make the cut for sure. It was a good story.
1: Awesome, dude. Thank you. Uh, If you ever decide you're going to come out somewhere mule deer hunting and you want some advice on on what to do, uh, give me a holler.
2: That's my thing, man.
1: I've also got those videos up. I like to do pack dumps and things like that to talk uh, some valuable stuff for people who've never been out west hunting.
2: I did check out uh, some of your YouTube content, and it's pretty cool. You got video of your kids blood trailing, and I think that's awesome. It's great to have kids out there and seeing stuff aside from a, a television screen or a, a smartphone. So uh, that was pretty cool. Just, I
1: don't even know what that is. No, yeah, that's good. I <laughs> don't even know what it is. Perfect.
2: Man. Keep it. Keep them away from it as long as you can. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's great to see their reaction, and it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It reminds me of when my brother and I were kids following my dad around the woods so so it's a ton of fun to to see that and then yeah your pack dumps and then just the you know reliving some of your hunts it's pretty neat so where can we all find
1: you okay uh it's just buck collector on uh buck collector clay on youtube and on instagram i've I've got some pretty fun stuff i think i'm gonna kill more deer intentionally next year um because i've got some I've got some plans on some videos that I want to make and it's, it has really doesn't have anything with, to do with killing the deer. It's more educational stuff, but cool. I'll see if I can't get that stuff worked out. Who knows?
0: We'll tune in, man, for sure. We'll, we'll, I'll, I've subscribed. Um, I've got the alert set up. So like, it's awesome. Thank you. And
1: oh, man, what was cool. I, I going to say? I appreciate I say it. One
0: last thing, but I can't remember. Oh, stay
1: tuned for me killing one with a spear next year. Cause that's happening. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man.
0: Will you have a good night i'm making the blade i'm making it all (laughs) oh my god that's awesome freaking hardcore i'm gonna end the live uh the live feed everybody thanks for tuning in tonight this will be in podcast land tonight as you all know that tune in regularly we produce the same night we record so uh stand by for that and everybody have a great night thanks for listening All right. Hey, happy new year, everybody. And uh, tip of the week this week, uh, stay warm. You know, if we think about uh, what Clay had to say, the thing he's most most expert in is staying warm. So the thing that stood out to me the most was like giving your feet some breathing room. I wear rubber boots myself. So that like really struck a chord with me. Um, You know, you definitely don't want to pack your feet in too tight to your rubber boot. You're going to get cold and cut off that circulation. And uh, I've definitely done that before. You think I'm going to buy these super thick, warm socks because that's how I'm going to stay warm. And then you stuff them into your boots with your feet and your feet get cold and you wonder what the heck's going on. So, um, and you couple that with Greg's uh, pointer about maybe wearing a thin sock on the way in and then changing it out when you get to where you're going. I think that's an excellent idea, Um, one that I've done also. So that being said, that's the tip of the week. Uh, If you're doing any late season bow hunting, I know it's not super tactical, but it's super practical. And uh, that's what I got for you. And what I wanted to get into then... uh, is our giveaway that we did. Um, we wanted to call out everybody that won and let everybody know that you know here, here's what we gave away. So if you're not familiar, we have what we call Giveaway Day here at Where to Hunt, and if you're a paying Patreon subscriber for five dollars a month, you are then enrolled in a chance to be drawn for some prizes every three months. So I guess a total of fifteen dollars gets you into a drawing every three months. Uh, We take that money from our subscribers and we go buy stuff with it. So this time we gave a a number of things away, some good products. So uh, congratulations to Mao Yang for winning a um, Method saddle by Latitude Outdoors. Congrats to Alex Plu, $100 to Fleet Farm. Uh, Congrats, Austin Summers. He's been a guest on the show before. You want a Tacticam reveal? Uh, congrats to a couple of folks, Tonzin, Austin, Summers, and Noah Spillman for winning a free annual subscription to Spartan Forge. And then congrats to Matt uh, Galbrecht for winning an Okest Hunter hat and hoodie of his choice. Congrats to uh, Andrew Toigo, who won an HHA Virtus uh, dropaway. I'm not sure if he'll use it or not. Uh, and then congrats to Noah Spillman again for winning a TNK bow sling. Boom, that's a good one. Uh and then congrats to Austin Summers again <laughs> for winning a bag of coffee. Um and you already got the Spartan Forge. So that's what we got to give away on uh this week's or this quarter's quarter of the giveaway we do it every 3 months. So, you know, this quarter uh, just started. So, um you know, if you want to jump on, you got 3 months to jump into our giveaway. You can go to wheretohuntapp.com and go to our giveaway page. You can read the rules, see how it works. You can click on the link, it'll take you to um, Patreon and you can sign up there. It's pretty easy to do. I think no one's complained about it yet. And then when you sign up, I'll send you a koozie, a where to hunt, uh, okayist hunter koozie and um, a sticker. So that's what you'll get for signing up. And maybe I'll throw in some extra stuff that I got laying around here, but you know, I get to those when I can. Um, so usually I wait for like a batch of folks to sign up after doing one of these and then I'll send a whole bunch of stuff out. So Yeah, that's what I got. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm very tired. It's been a long day. And uh, this is a super good episode. It's a great way to start the new year. And Greg and I will be doing these every week. We're going to move up our recording time from 7pm Central Standard Time or our broadcasting time to 6pm Central Standard Time. So I can get done with this a little bit earlier, Uh, spend some time with my kids. So that's what we got going on. If you want to be on the show, it's a live listener call in show you can call in every week. Uh, we do the show every Tuesday night. So if you want to call in and chat, uh, chat with Greg and I, or talk to our guests, ask questions, share stories, whatever you got, you can call into the show. It's two six two seven five seven forty one twenty two. That's our call in line. And that line is hot. Uh, you know, every Tuesday night from 6 PM now to 7 PM central standard time. So hope to hear from you all on the show. If you haven't already, give us a rating and review on iTunes. If you've got an iPhone, I think you can do it on stitcher. If you've got an Android. So we appreciate the feedback. Thanks. all of that and uh yeah we're excited to be here this year we got uh, we always have things cooking so of course we have some things cooking so you'll stay tuned for more but uh, have a great week and hum public